Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. This episode of Dubai Works is sponsored by Petra Insurance, a groundbreaking player in the UAE insurance market with more than 55 years of experience in the industry. Petra Insurance offers a range of products to individuals and companies providing quick solutions and the advantage of paying in installments. They also recognize the importance of transparency and they make it a point to assure trust in their policies. You can get in contact with them directly by visiting insurewithpetra.com. Okay, the medical industry is established and set up different in every country. Uh, and the UAE has its own way of having public and private uh, facilities. So this is a great opportunity uh, for us to sit down with one of the lead leading private uh, hospitals and medical centers. Uh, and the group CEO spoke to us, told us all about uh, how their company, Medcare, was, was established 15 years ago and also uh, how really the medical industry is in Dubai and the UAE. Uh, so it's really an interesting conversation. Enjoy it uh, and I'll speak after. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Dr. Shanila Laiju, who is the group CEO of Medcare Hospital and Medical Centers. They are a network of multi-speciality hospitals, medical centers, and hundreds of specialized doctors, all working towards the same agenda of providing and ensuring the well-being of their visitors. So we're really going to go deep on the health industry in Dubai and the UAE today. We'll hear the story of Medcare, the wellness industry here, and also the, their plans for the future. Good morning, Dr. Shanila. Good morning. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, where are you based and, and what's your working day like today? Well, I think we've gone back to the new weekend. So Friday, we're just trying to get adapted to the Friday being a working day. So very much at work today. Uh, very good. Yeah. You know, just while we're talking about that topic, how has that new weekend impacted your business? Because you know, the health industry and the medical centers are every day of the week anyway. Has it had a big change for you? So see, being uh, in the healthcare industry, I think we are uh, open seven days a week. So it is just that, you know, the people are also just getting adapted to the new uh, shift of the weekend. So we see, we're just trying to figure out how our patients are going out because we see that Friday still is a pretty dull day because people have the prayers and things. So we still see the numbers are good during the Saturday, Sunday weekend. Um, trying to study it for a three month period and see how the trend is going. And I think uh, there is there's need for shift for that mindset of people for that Saturday, Sunday. They're still a little lost in the new weekend culture. That's so interesting. So from a, you know, a leadership point of view, you're looking at it as a, a data, three months worth of data before you might make decisions on uh, whether you have different resources or different things available on different days? 
Exactly. So we are open now being, again, I told you being a hospital, we're open seven days a week. So we've added uh, most of the outpatient departments are open now. We will see where is the demand for any particular department as such. So we are looking at tracking through the call center, the queries that are coming in. And then we probably make it a little bit more structured, but um, we are open seven days. So there is, uh, I don't think uh, uh, people can access this anytime. And can you explain, taking a step back, how you would introduce Medcare, the history of it, the scope of it, the size, and what is your remit there as well? All right, uh, I'd be more than glad to do that because I have been in Medcare right from the beginning of when it started back in 2007. Wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's been a very uh, long, nice journey for me. I have seen the growth of Medcare from uh, the start of the planning when our chairman, uh, the founder, Dr. Azad Mupin, uh, decided that, you know, there is a gap in the private sector industry here, uh, because in back in 2007, there were not many private sectors that were there. So identifying that gap, he decided that there is a need for a private sector hospital to come up in Dubai. And I think we were very blessed with uh, the location that we identified being a niche area in Jumeirah, Al Safa area. Um, which, well, we were a little hesitant to start off in a very big scale. So we decided that we will have, we will start off with a 75 bedded hospital, a multi-speciality hospital. So I think it was the vision of our chairman, Dr. Azad Mupin, who is the founder and chairman of the Astadium Healthcare. So we uh, belong to the premium segment of the Astadium Healthcare. That is a parent company and Medcare is a premium segment of that. Uh, so identifying the need uh, for a premium segment to be there, uh, the existence in particularly the niche area, uh, which we cater to the, uh, the Jumeirah uh, area, uh, we came up with this uh, concept of having a multi-speciality hospital back in 2007. And I think we were very blessed because of the support uh, that the DHA, the government gave us. Uh, we were able to see that we had a very successful story in the first six months itself. And again, uh, we are very, very particular about clinical excellence. We do not compromise on quality of healthcare. So we decided that as we started the hospital, it was very important that we go in for an international accreditation. So we have the Joint Commission International Accreditation that we went through immediately six months after we commissioned the hospital because getting that golden star from that is very important for us because we truly believe that um, quality is uh, something which we cannot compromise on. So we were very lucky to get accredited again after six months of commissioning. And um, we saw there was a very good traction for the premium clientele. You know, there was, people were very happy. People felt that um, this was much needed. And we saw that we started growing because uh, the space constraints started coming up uh, in 2012. We decided that, you know, we really need to segment out uh, some of the departments, which we saw that were doing really very well. And we uh, identified two departments. So that was the orthopedic uh, department where we started an orthopedic and spine hospital uh, on Sheikh Said Road in 2012. Wow. Uh, that is a standalone facility, a specialized center. And again, uh, Carving out that didn't give us enough space. So then we started making other strategic plans as to what are the other departments that could move out. And in 2016, we moved out our uh, entire uh, gynecology, obstetrics, and the pediatric department, which is now the Medicare Women and Children Hospital on Sheikh Said Road. Very good. Uh, so 
Yeah, so then we decided, like, I mean, it was needed uh, to have a speciality center because we could not accommodate uh, in the space, existing space that we started 2007. And that we converted into a multi-speciality hospital and also having the other two as a specialized centers. And not only that, we also uh, thought that, uh, you know, it was very important to be uh, having our presence in different geographies where we saw that there is a premium clientele. So we started opening up satellite clinics. So we opened our first clinic in 2008 in Jumeirah. And now I'm very proud to say that we are spread across most of the new Dubai areas, the Mirtip areas, and we have 18 medical centers. Uh, so I think this is a very good support system where people can have the access of the uh, um, facilities because we wanted to be closer to the patients where they are. So we identified those areas so that it is uh, there is a convenience for our patients to reach out uh, to the areas that they are there. And then, of course, if needed, there is a reference to the hospital that is there. So this is the trend that we have done. And then we have also started in Sharjah. We have a multi-speciality hospital in Sharjah. Uh, so currently we are having four hospitals and 18 medical centers, and it is to get the access uh, to the care. And that is what we are looking at, giving easy accessibility to our people, uh, being closer to them, getting closer to their homes. Amazing. Thank you for the background. And it's so interesting to hear that because people will be familiar with Medcare, but not necessarily know the scope and the and the history as well. So thank you for sharing. So the you described the four hospitals, two of which now are the special, even more specialized ones based on specific departments, and then the clinics. So can you just explain the, the clinics? That is that you know an outpatient clinic like a typical GP center where uh, people can can go in like they're going to see a doctor. Yeah, so these are specialized uh, outpatient departments that we have. So most of it is multi-specialized. Uh, so we have a couple of clinics that are uh, multi-specialized, but we also felt that there was a need to focus on certain areas. So we have the specialized center uh, for pediatrics. So if you look on the Sheikh Side Road, we have a pediatric center that caters only to the pediatrics. And then we have an eye center. Uh, so we felt that, you know, there are certain departments that we need to go maybe a little in depth into. So in the eye center, we have all the facilities that are catering to a daycare facility, daycare programs and things. And also we thought that uh, there was also a need to go into more of the, the extra premium areas that were coming up, like the DIFC, uh, the town square. So we have recently opened up in town square. Uh, and again, I told you there's been so much of, uh, I mean, I, we knew that there was a demand over that area and people were very appreciative because we saw that in less than three months, we are having a good number of patients coming in that area and even in DIFC. So we started the clinic uh, in DIFC and uh, I think there's a good momentum because we've been trying to identify those uh, people who are our clientels and making it easily accessible for them. It's fascinating as the city develops the need for you to be in different areas based on population expansion. Uh, you know, you have to follow those trends as well and, and come to where the people are, even though if they'll know your brand as well. So to meet them where they are as well. But talking, Dr. Shanila, back, back from when, when you started and Medcare started, what are the, in addition to the physical or the, say, bricks and mortar and hospitals and clinics, uh, what are the sort of other investments in terms of uh, equipment and technologies that that you've added over the years? Does that change every time 
uh, you invest more in specializations and things like that? Yeah, it is very important to, you know, go on with what the technology is, because I think healthcare is booming like uh, anything in the coming years. And uh, what we probably had uh, the equipment back in 2007 uh, could not be used now because there's been so much of upgradation that has been coming in. So we make sure that we are, um, we upgrade our systems, we upgrade the technology, we upgrade our equipments as per what the market needs are there. And I think there is been a lot of changes, especially with the COVID coming in. You know, we see that uh, there's been a total shift from uh, where people were locked up in their rooms. So we felt that, so that was a time when we uh, realized that there is a need for a teleconsultation. Uh, so even though that was going in a small flesh way, but with the COVID coming in, we found that there's been a demand where people could not step out of their homes. So how do we go back to them? How do we reach them? How do we make them comfortable when, you know, everybody is uh, really worried when it comes to their health. And so we did not want people to panic during that condition because uh, as it is, it was not the best of the times that everybody was going through. So we made sure that we have a team of our doctors who were ready for the teleconsultations. People could log in, uh, consult the doctor, have a, uh, you know what they had to ask. And if there was anything that they needed to have a test done or even for a doctor to visit them, we started with the home care services. So again, again, being closer to our people, if during the times that they felt that they could not reach us, we made sure that every possible effort was done to reach to their homes and give them the care for that. So I think telemedicine, teleconsultation and home care uh, have really fast-tracked during this COVID times. So we are looking at what the industry markets are going, what is the new trends that are coming, and, and we are trying to live up to with that. Because I don't think that... Uh, you know, for example, I'll tell you, if we had a CT machine that was like maybe uh, a six slides, uh, which we had before, now we cannot use that because we see that there's a lot more uh, new uh, things that are coming in. So we upgraded with the 128 slice CT machine. That is the need of the R. So we do tend to invest a lot in our equipments and technology as we see that um, going forward, there's a lot of that in demand. Definitely. And being in the premium sector, I can imagine that the equipment is needs to also be premium and then the investment is quite significant. So, so that's great. And over the years, how has the, how the doctors and the, your team and the size of the company in terms of resources, how has that grown? And is it a reflection on, uh, is it a reflection on Medcare's position in the market over the last 15 years? Yes, of course, we see as we have started expanding, you know, and we also look at we have 1000 plus doctors who wow. are uh, multilingual because we have a very diverse culture. Uh, we have almost around 26 to 27 nationalities of people working with us. And uh, we have doctors from different boards that are working here. And I think that's one of the key areas that we focus on clinical excellence. Uh, so we are very, very picky when it comes to choosing our doctors. Uh, to make sure that you know we have one of the best doctors across the globe so it is uh, we go to um, internationally to look at for the doctors and see that you know we look at the credentials we look at their privileging and make sure that we have one of the best standards there with our clinicians also the nurses uh, we all know that there is a big challenge there's an international shortage of nurses now but then of course um, that is one of the key pillars of healthcare. Doctors and nurses are your key pillars. And we are very proud to say that we have an amazing number. We have 1,700 plus of doctors and nurses who are working with us. 
And again, as I told you, um, being on a premium segment, catering to a lot of diverse culture, uh, we make sure that we have those people uh, that, you know, the patients, when they come, so there is an ease of communication. Uh, ten, looking at what are the different nationalities that are coming, we tend to also have our support staff in the same manner. Uh, so, yes, we have grown over a period of time. Like So we cater to almost 1.2 million patients in a year. And I think that would not have been possible without the dedicated team of doctors, nurses, and other staff that we have. Uh, we have 2,000 plus staff now um, across Medicare, and we are still growing. There, we are not put a full stop as yet, and we are expanding into a lot more other areas. Interesting. Um, fascinating the number of patients that you look after. It's a quite. A, how does that relay in the in the market share in the market? Is that a, a, a majority of the market share in terms of uh, Dubai patients? Well, I would say yes, because you know, you know that there's a lot of competition in the market. Unlike before, as I told you in 2007, where there were not many private sectors and that's when our chairman found that there was a need for it. Unlike that time, now you can see there's a lot of private sectors that have come in. So there's a huge competition. So it is how we uh, position ourselves, how we have and as I always believe that, you know, we have um, having a have very strong base over here because uh, we have our tagline of we'll treat you well. And that's what we believe that we've been doing right from the start of, of opening the hospitals and moving forward. We have one that trust uh, the brand is trusted in the market. So I'm sure that, you know, we do have a majority of the share of the patients uh, looking at the other private sectors as well. So even though there has been competition, I think uh, it's only given us a better insight as to, you know, we still can stand if you have the best of the people, the best of the clinicians, the best of the technology, and you move along, um, no competition can actually put you backward. Brilliant. Um, you also mentioned the number of employees, and I, I noticed that the majority are obviously doctors and nurses. How how are you, how is it different as a group CEO to run a, a medical uh, organization or a company that's a, a private versus public sector? How, how do you d think it would be different if it was um, a government hospital versus one that's private uh, in terms of operationally and uh, quality of work? Well, um, I do not have much uh experience as to the government, but I think that the need for the private came in because uh, of the demand that people wanted to have the care, uh, you know, with not spending uh, time, They want, because when you go to a government sector, I think you will need to be uh, given an appointment and there might be long waiting times. Uh, so this is what, uh, in a private sector, I think they can cater to their needs immediately. And uh, that is one of the major differences that we see. But then uh, to be honest here uh, with the Dubai Health Authority that has been there, there's been a lot of uh, synergies happening between the, Dubai, the government and the private sectors. Yeah. So I think of now we see that uh, there's a lot of collaboration. And even when we, uh, the private uh, sectors are being included in a lot of the decision makings. So I, the government is really looking at how do we have one system that can be, uh, you know, accessible. So for, uh, for that matter, I mean, I should say that Dubai government has been looking at the medical records of the patient. So they're coming up with this NABIT system, which is amazing. So that any patient that visits Dubai in any of the hospitals, you know, if they have to go to any other hospital, they do not have to request that for people to get their records. Every, it will be like now seen. It's a unique ID that every patient is going to have. 
and across wherever in Dubai they go that the doctors can access their medical records. So I think there's a lot of collaboration and synergy that's happening now. And I see that going forward, this is very good because um, a lot of things that we could do together as a private and governance sector. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And people will be familiar with, with how good the, you know, the DHA has been, especially during the pandemic as well. Um, Dr. Shanila, how would you describe to people, uh, you know, outside of Dubai, how the, the health industry here is and, and how good the services are available to patients? Um, do you, is there a ranking system around the world or are you confident that, you know, the, the uh, services that you provide are, are as good as anywhere else? Um, I, I really like this question because, you know what, uh, now what we are looking into is uh, promoting the medical value tourism. So uh, we understand that there were a lot of people going earlier abroad to US, to Germany, uh, to uh, UK to have a lot of their medical conditions met with. But why? Why do they have to go to these places when I think Dubai is supposed to be uh, one of the leading hubs for medical tourism? We have the best of the technology, the best of the medical cares here in Dubai, whether it's a private, whether it's uh, the government sectors. I think even they are trying to see how we can make Dubai a hub for medical tourism. Because we have the best uh, world-class doctors, the best of the technologies, the best of the clinical uh, technologies and excellence here. So this is what we are looking at. How do we have Dubai as a medical tourist? How do we stop people from going? How do we give that message to the people that we have what they are going for and traveling there? So we have also had a lot of this uh, with the now we have established um, our medical value tourism with uh, Turkey, uh, with Saudi, with Qatar. So we see there, we have a lot of specialized centers as well, uh, you know, where I would just like to stress on uh, like, as I told you, we have an orthopedic hospital, orthopedic and spine. Again, in that we are trying to see how do we have a subspeciality built? Like we have established a center of excellence for foot and ankle. So we see that we're getting a lot of patients from Oman, Muscat, uh, from Saudi Arabia. So we already see that, you know, that trust of the place Dubai. I think Dubai is a beautiful place where people would love to visit. And also looking at the proximity from different places that, you know, where people were going to UK, US before, there is a closer proximity, the time, the culture, a lot of the culture similarities. So we see that there is a lot of people who are coming into Dubai and we would definitely like this to be one of the centers to attract medical value tourism. And I'm sure in the coming years, Dubai will definitely be known as one of the best centers for medical tourism. That's interesting. And yeah, it was great how you answered that as well, because I think, you know, in the past, people from the region would have traveled elsewhere. But now that quality stamp of approval that Dubai has cross sector is coming through to the medical sector as well, which is great to see. Um, just, I, I kind of touched on it earlier in terms of the private versus public. What, you know, in other countries, there's different healthcare systems, and in the UAE, which is great, it's you know, insurance is mandatory, and every, everyone who is working is looked after, and and also obviously in their families and things like that. Um, so it's great that the and there's also the the government hospitals as well. But for, and this might be a, a tricky enough question, but from a um, uh, and it's great that you know a, a, you as a doctor is is the leader of the company or the group CEO. Um, however, you know sometimes is there is there pressure on uh, medical 
companies to make profits uh, or is it uh, you know do you go back to the kind of ethics of your profession and is it all is it always about that sort of health care of the patient as well well, I think any private sector would look at looking at the profits for sure. I mean, uh, I don't think that anybody is looking at not having that. Uh, so profit is definitely one of the things. But, you know, our chairman always keeps telling us profit is a byproduct. Uh, you do your things well and you uh, treat people with the, you know, the best of the clinical care. Don't compromise on the quality of your care. Your profits will come. So I think this has been instilled into all our heads every now and then by our chairman. Um, who keeps telling us that don't run behind profits, it will come to you if you do it in the right way. And we truly believe that. And that is what we see that Medicare has grown in because we have certain ethics and values that we follow, whether it's treating our patients. Uh, so we do not compromise on any of those. And uh, I think that is what uh, makes us stand apart. As you rightly said, even the government and the private sectors and the insurance segment as well. Yes, it is a mandate insurance now in Dubai, but there are different types. You know, those are the segments of insurance are different. So again, I would say that there is um, a mid-level uh, insurance and the premium level of insurance. We usually cater to the premium level of insurance clientele that we have. So that, that would again demarcate us from the government sectors because I don't think there's a premium insurance that is being covered in the government sectors. So we have that, that is again a very good thing that the Dubai government has done. So, you know, you have people all across from the blue collar workers uh, to your premium clientele who can make use of the best of the healthcare because of the different segments of insurance that they cater to. And there are different healthcare sectors that cater to these so that there is a complete coverage of people irrespective of whether you're in a premium sector or whether you're in a blue collar worker, there is a coverage that everybody gets in this. Amazing, yeah, that, that's great. And, and I ha so from that point of view, uh, you know, how, how the competition that you have, uh, are they mainly the, uh, across the sort of well-known brands that have a lot of hospitals and clinics? Or do you look at, uh, or, you know, from a market entry point of view, is it possible for someone just to set up uh, an orthopedic clinic and would they, uh, you know, require a different license or a different approval? Or what's the market entry point of view in the industry in Dubai? So Dubai, I think, I mean, the entry point is you need to have, I mean, if it is a known brand uh, internationally, it becomes more easier for them to come into existence. Uh, so, but I would like to say that Medicare and uh, like the Aster, I told you we are under the premium brand of the Aster, uh, the brand Aster. And uh, we're very proud to say that we are the largest healthcare network providers in UAE here at the moment. Yes, we are. Uh, but uh, looking at what you asked uh, for a person who's newly coming into market, I think the government is very flexible because they want to attract new talents, new, uh, you know, the brands that are probably across internationally. Like, so you saw there's a Mayo Clinic, there is a Cleveland Clinic. Uh, so there is a lot of uh, competitions that are entering into the market and there is a space for everybody. So if you are going to live with uh, the best of the clinical care that you're going to give, you have your best of the doctors, uh, the best of the service excellences that, you know, uh, patient, patients have a seamless uh, flow of when they come into the hospital, to the exit, how you treat them. So it all depends on how you position your brand and the service that you are giving into that you could remain sustainable in the market. Because we have seen that there are a couple of providers who have come in, explored, maybe not able to sustain in this uh, competitive market. 
So it's not easy. People may think that you can just come here and look at uh, just starting a hospital. But I think there's a very uh, important need to have a very strong foundation as to, you know, to have the best of the clinical care and a good backing for that. Um, you can start it, but would that be the best of the things? I don't, cannot say because you can see that there's a lot of new providers that have come into the market now. Uh, so establishing that in Dubai, yes, I think the government is a little bit more I mean, lenient. They look into, they provide support for people who want to come and explore themselves. Um, but again, to compete in this market is not that very easy. So sustainability is what we need to look into. And that is what we look like. You know, whatever we start, we see, we do a feasibility study and we make sure that, you know, there is a sustainable market that we are in rather than jumping from one thing to the other. So that is what we strongly believe that Medcare as uh, in the last 15 years, uh, we have established a very sustainable market for our people. Fascinating. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear as well from a, you know, a regulatory point of view in terms of hospitals, because people might think, oh, there's, you know, it might be state run or there might be only one or two, but actually as you outlined, uh, you know, it's like it's an open industry, you know, people, the right credentials and the right investment can come in, but it's a very competitive market because high standards are needed. But you mentioned, you know, two U.S. American or international brands who've come in as well and they offer in the premium sector. Uh, but but with the pedigree that Medcare uh, has had over the last 15 years, then you can actually compete with those international brands as well. Yes, that's very true because, you know, it's always, it's very good. We feel that um, every challenge that comes into the market uh, helps us also to grow. So this is good yeah. that, you know, we have a lot of competitions coming in and then we tend to excel, you know, we see how we can excel, how we do we have that. We do benchmarkings to see that, you know, we are within the market standards. So I think that's a good thing as well to have uh, good competitions coming in the market as well. Dr. Shanila, we talk a little bit about technology, but, but firstly, how has... Uh, how has the medical profession changed in, you know, uh, you know, uh, one fifth into the 21st century? We're in 2022 now, and we know that um, consumer lifestyle trends changed. We're all very much digital. We're all doing more exercise. We're all eating healthier. Um, how has that this sort of lifestyle and behavior changed of, of, of you know, the status quo, the, the today's uh, today's human, uh, how has that changed into uh, medical and, and the medical arena in terms of, you know, uh, diseases, illnesses, um, and your services as well with people? All right. So I think as everybody's talking about the digital transformation, uh, similarly in healthcare also, again, I told you, uh, with the pandemic uh, coming in, there's been a lot of fast tracking of a lot of digital things that has come in. Uh, so if you look at um, the, um, of course, there's the AI, the chatbot, um, the telematic um, consultation, all this, what I told you is all the digital transformation that's been happening in the healthcare industry. Uh, but it is very important that, you know, we also need to make sure that, see, people are all very busy. They do not have time. So how do they come in and have a very seamless journey or when they come to see a doctor is very important. So we are also having a lot of those new technologies that we're looking into having, uh, you know, um, like now in the patient registration, we're trying to see how we can have that uh, online so that the patients can book their book appointments, uh, make their registrations, come into uh, the hospital, do not have to wait in a queue for the registrations. 
how can they have their labs? So there, there are a lot of processes that we are looking at implementing now. I wouldn't say that we've gone a full-fledged digital as of now, but there are a lot of steps in the uh, pipeline that we are looking into making uh, the journey for our patients uh, very seamless. So the, uh, the, as I told you, the registration process is one. How do we have the lab reports going into uh, their portal? Um, having, even for that matter, we see there's a lot of chronic disease patients like you know, the diabetes and the thyroid, yeah. uh, people who constantly need to have those checkups. So we have those team, we have a chronic disease management team that's looking at that, uh, these couple of patients who are there. So we look at those patients who are having this chronic condition. There is a team that follows up. They're given a teleconsult services. Uh, once we see that their, their medicines are over, there is a refill pack that they call, they remind them. So uh, I think it's very important how people need to take care of their health because again, we are all so busy and we nobody has a time to do things, but it's very important how do you take care of your health? And that awareness that we send to our patients is also very important. So the wellness is very, as much as important as, you know, you do not want to fall sick and then go. So how do we keep that wellness part also at par is something which we are looking into. So there is a constant uh, communication. There's a lot of awareness programs. Uh, there's a lo lot of digital marketing. So on the social media also, we have a lot of things that we do uh, post uh, giving all those educational things for our uh, patients. Yeah. I think uh, down the lane, um, we also want to have to see that um, the, the so we, even the, uh, if you look at the EMR, so I said uh, the transformation for digital where we used to have the documentations where people used to write on the files now everything has gone electronic. So there is no more uh, a file that you see for a patient. Uh, if you look at the radiology, if you look at for an MRI or CT that you go, you do not want to have to have a doctor immediately. You can even have the fax system that we have where across uh, any of our doctors can read those. And that can also be done like, I mean, you know, if you want to send it if internationally, if a patient wants a second opinion, how do you have these transferred into the packs when if the other company also has this technology? So there's a lot of advancement that's been happening that's trying to uh, make uh, the life of people easy so that they do not have to run between pillar to post to get all these things. Uh, I think uh, the digital transformation, we are still going with it. There's a long way still we have uh, to go because we see that there is a change happening every other day. So you need to really update yourself. We need to really be in times with what the technology is going and needs to upgrade ourselves. Uh, but yes, definitely that's going to be uh, overtaking a lot of those things that we do manually now. And I think the chatbot um, and the online uh, appointment systems, the social media channels for these will definitely pave more way for the patients. Yeah, fascinating. Of course, data is so important when it's our lives and making the right decision and communication. I think someone mentioned to me the other day, they call that category around automation and chatbot CPaaS, communication platforms as a service. So it, it's all evolving to automate things so you can focus on you know, efficiencies and utility to, uh, to make things more seamless for the customer and the patient, but then that the doctors would then have the more time to do the, the work in the proper way. But just, you know, the health tech sector is growing. And I guess any incumbent, not that Medcare is an incumbent, but any company who's done things traditionally might think that the health tech is, uh, industry could disrupt. But then, um, you know, and I'll give a, an anecdote about a case that people will be familiar with in the US, which is the company called Theranos, which 
um, has uh, you know had a lot of uh, issues because it failed and it promised blood tests uh, you know in in minutes and and it was it was a big failure because of what it promised and it wasn't possible uh, to do that and so what's your view on that in terms of people thinking they can disrupt the medical industry um, but they're not really respecting the sort of uh, the the practice and respecting that you know this is this is people's lives that's at stake see that uh, that is a, it can disrupt if not done the right way so you have to also make sure that you know you deliver what you promise so that's very important just because the world is going on a digital platform going into a lot of technology things we cannot run at the same speed if we are not really prepared for it so that's very important that we have a very strong base on what you really want to do. Because as you said, if you're promising the people uh, blood test, uh, the expectations are built up, right? And then if you cannot deliver it, that is when people start losing trust. Mm. But if you look at going with the technology and then you're able to deliver the promise that you're giving, I think people will be more comfortable because they can sit in their homes, they can sit in the comfort of their homes, they do not have to come for everything. So I think it is a trust. And the mindset has to be internally as well as externally, we need to change the mindset of people. So there is, I would say that probably uh, the the geriatric uh, people, you know, the, the old people probably still cannot adapt to that technology and digital services. They still need that human touch, uh, going, seeing a doctor. So maybe to change that mindset of those people may be difficult. But if you look at the millennials that are coming up, they all want to do things at the touch of a button. They do not want to travel. They do not. Everything is online for them. So we need to foresee how we have to see the next generation coming up. And there is a need to cater to those needs of the people. So we need to look at the psychological aspect of how they want things. So I think going forward, they've definitely uh, digitalization, technology, uh, AI, all this is going to come up because um, there will be a time when a lot of things that we do now is going to be obsolete and people are not going to look into that. So it's very important that you need to go with these changes and we need to train the minds of the people internally as well as externally how to adapt to these. Uh, amazing, fascinating. And are they some of the things that you're investing in in 2022 and beyond? And what, what do the future plans look like for Medcare? Uh, so, of course, we are looking at uh, expanding uh, globally and internationally. How do, that is also there in the pipeline. But then again, we see that there is, as I told you, there's a need for expanding into the Northern Emirates as well, because we've been focusing more on the Dubai market. But there is a great potential in the uh, Northern Emirates as well that is coming in. And we feel that since I told you we have three hospitals that have having specialized centers, we would like to also have, um, you know, a flagship hospital of ours uh, coming up. Uh, which we are looking into and again catering into a lot more other areas like you know the Damak Hills, uh, Betilalga. There's a lot of new areas that's coming up so we want to have our existence in those places as well and of course going uh, to other GCC countries because Saudi is a very good market now so how do we expand into the other GCC countries and probably even look at expansion into the global international market. Right. Uh, but yes, of course, now we're concentrating more into Dubai and the Northern Emirates for the coming, uh, maybe next one year or so. That's amazing. That's really good to hear. And yeah, it'll be great to follow Medcare as well, this story. But yeah, I, I think the region first and obviously an optimistic outlook of, of this, this region as well. 
Yeah, so that's what we want to establish a strong foundation within the region in UAE, and then probably take it up uh, later internationally into the GCC countries. Amazing. Um, a question kind of not related is um, just from a, a, an interest in how the medical industry, uh, you know, we've had some insurance companies on the show um, and some different types of companies, but not necessarily one as established as, as Medcare in terms of medicine. How, how, does the medical, how does the hospital and medical centers, what is the relationship like with the pharmaceutical companies? Uh, you know, do, do you have partnerships with the big pharma companies? And how does that part, how does the medicine part of the industry work on a B2B level? So see, if you look at the pharmaceutical, we in all the hospitals is mandated to have uh, the pharmacy. But other than that, we are not concentrating much on the pharmaceutical because in our Astra group, as I told you, yeah. we have the Astra pharmacies which cater to the pharmaceutical companies. Um, so we do have, I mean, you know, we have all the leading pharmaceutical companies that we have partnered with. Uh, and there is, of course, this is an ongoing relationship being a hospital and pharmacy. I think they go hand in hand. Uh, but majority of this is, uh, you know, it is uh, to, we do not have much of those unless we provide the choices uh, and we do not have much on the pharmaceutical side. Mainly, I told you, Astra pharmacies, which cater to the pharmaceutical needs of that. So I think that's not our core forte of the business that Medcare is looking at. Interesting. Yeah, and that does really paint a picture for the listener that how well structured the group is. It has the Medcare brand and then a separate brand for the pharmacies as well. So it seems very well structured and very well positioned for the world that we live in today. Yeah, and I think yeah, we should say that, you know, there is also, as you were mentioning the doctors, we have doctors who've been with us right from 15 years. So as I told you, it's very important that, you know, we build that sustainable model where people trust us. So we have a lot of our staff who are here with us right from the beginning of inception from 2007. And that's a very proud moment for us to say that. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shanila, for your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it, and it's great to get an insight uh, from a group CEO of the medical industry. Uh, and thank you, and we'll follow Medcare with more interest in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Have a good day. Take care. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Uh That was great. I, I learned a lot. You could tell that I'm not a doctor. You could tell who the doctor was on that uh, interview. But it's just really interesting uh, for a topic just to have someone to speak um, on behalf of, of a leading private medical company as well. So I hope you found it interesting. Uh, please do keep your suggestions company coming. Uh, Smash your media partnerships of Step Conference next week. Uh, we'll have more startup companies on the show as well. But as we set out to do in this podcast, it's really to position Dubai as a business capital. So we tackle all uh, aspects of leaders and founders uh, running organizations uh, in Dubai. Uh, and that, that was one such interview today. Uh, every like, comment uh, and review of this Dubai Works podcast on any audio platform that you're on or subscribe uh, really does help. And you know, a recommendation to other people who you think this might find it uh, interesting goes a long way. I'd like to thank our producers, Shahir and Ali, for putting this episode together today. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can always 
download the Smashy app on your iPhone or smart TV, subscribe, watch all the previous Dubai Works episodes or our other shows as well. Uh, and please do tune in same time next week at 11 a.m. on Friday mornings uh, on Smashy TV.